from the heart of the Carolinas, aiming the cannon of truth at strongholds of stupidity. Who, who are black people supposed to call Ghostbusters? So we need to stop that beef on and abolish the cops crap. This is the Vince Coakley Radio Program. And good morning. Welcome to the broadcast. Good to be back with you for the start of another broadcast week. And this will be a very important week. Is tomorrow, this same time, we will be right into Election Day. Now, many of you have already voted. We'll have some conversation about that during the course of the broadcast. And I must warn you, allergies are kicking my rear end <laughs> over the weekend. It's just been driving me crazy. It's weird. I'll, have, I'll do well for a while, then just start sneezing up a storm. And no, I don't have COVID. Just making that clear. <laughs> but there will be a lot of interesting developments during tomorrow's election day. I have a compilation of a number of stories we'll go into to discuss things that are happening right here in the Carolinas and around the country. I also want to get your thoughts, your sense of the mood of things Especially if you're an early voter. I want to know if you went out and voted early. Whether that was perhaps different for you this time around as we had early voting in North and South Carolina. Is this a neat change for you? I, I've already communicated to you that I have a sense of cautious optimism about tomorrow. But at the same time, I, it's very measured for me because I tend to really take the more pessimistic side a good part of the time. And the goal for me is to make sure that I am not disappointed. But I have to tell you, based on some of the things that we'll go into today, there are a number of reasons to be quite encouraged, including some races that I'll just be very blunt with you based on the circumstances on the ground they should be blowouts against the GOP. <laughs> One race in particular that you've heard me talk about a number of times. But it could very well end up in the R column. We'll address these, all of these races, these significant ones that are getting a lot of attention uh, during the course of the broadcast today. I first want to start by talking about early voting here in North Carolina. The observers reporting that more than 200,000 people just in the Charlotte area, more than 200,000 people have cast ballots. That's a pretty good number here in an off-year election. Now, we're talking about early voting sites, absentee by mail, both of these figures. Now, this is actually a slight decrease. From 2018, early voting totals a significant dip from 2020, which is expected because that's a presidential election year. Now, we had early voting here in North Carolina from October 20th, and it ended on Saturday. That's what we had here in North Carolina. 187,944 Mecklenburg County residents voted in person. 15,821 by mail ballots. All received and to our credit, the credit of those folks 
who work hard in the Board of Elections office. There's no reason to believe these are not going to be counted day of. We're not going to have the kinds of issues that they have in other states. Not to mention the states in particular, Pennsylvania. A total of 203,765 votes already in. That's the total. 25% of the county's 800,000 registered voters. So that's where we are in terms of Mecklenburg County. Across North Carolina, about 29% of 7.4 million registered voters cast ballots prior to the midterm elections. 29%. As of Sunday morning, 2,007,518 North Carolina residents voted in person. 140,517 absentee by mail ballots. Total of 2,148,035. Now, this is a 13% increase over the same time in 2018, according to the Board of Elections. So, statewide, there is a performance that's better than the last off-year election. So, that's how this breaks down. Some other interesting figures here. Data from the State Board of Elections showing as of Sunday, 27% of black registered voters had cast ballots early, either in person or by mail. Of white registered voters, 32% voted early. Registration. Let us see. 38% of those who voted across the state registered Democrats. 31% registered Republicans. 30% unaffiliated. That's how this breaks down for the state of North Carolina. And as I mentioned, we've discussed this before. There are a lot of people who are traditionalists here. They're very much um, into the idea of Election Day. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that at all. Nothing wrong with that. Although I urged people to get out and vote, my purpose as a talk show host has been just to get people to go vote, whether it's before the election or day of. Just don't be negligent in this area. South of the border, nearly 444, actually 440,000 South Carolina voters cast ballots ahead of Election Day. 440,000. Now, at stake in South Carolina, you've got races deciding the governor's race, state school superintendent, handful of congressional, legislative, and other local races. So uh, the figures we have are through Thursday. 438,000. South Carolinians, out of the total of 3.3 million registered voters, had voted early. That's the figure that we have so far. In uh, the state of South Carolina, Election Day, for those of you who have not voted, the polls open 7 o'clock, and they close at 7 p.m. So keep that in mind.
Now, the state legislature passed early voting earlier this year, allowing any registered voter presenting a valid photo ID to cast their ballot early. And those who can't get a photo ID were able to present a non-photo registration card and vote provisionally. So that was the uh, scene down in South Carolina, just setting the stage for Election Day tomorrow. Still to come on the broadcast today, we are going to delve right into a number of very important races, some of the key races that will decide the balance of power in the Senate. We will also have the candidate for U.S. Senate here in North Carolina on the broadcast. He will join us to talk about the state of things. And among the unfortunate events that happened over the weekend, you'll hear from a candidate who's had real trouble with uh, cognitive issues, much like our president. Stay with us. Back on the Vince Coakley radio program. Over on the text line, we begin here. As far as early voting goes, I prefer to vote on Election Day. However, I drove by my polling place last week. No line. Walked right in and voted. Walked out in just a couple of minutes. Felt good to be done. Hopefully no shenanigans with this election. Although I'm counting on it in Pennsylvania. (laughs) I don't think you're the only one. I have no problem saying there should be no early voting or mail-in voting. There should be one day of voting, an absentee voting requiring a notary to confirm that you are who you say you are. Oh, okay. It's not so much tradition to vote on Election Day as it is understanding that early voting gives the Democrats a heads up regarding how many votes they need to add to the total to steal. It's much more difficult on their fraud When you vote the day of the election, early voting is their plan for that. Okay. A lot of skeptical people, and hey, you're entitled to your opinion. Your naivete, trust in the election system is extremely alarming. Okay. It's the good news for the morning. The Panthers still suck. Chris out of Shelby. Really? Oh, my goodness. And this um, humorous texter, Vince Donald Trump here, your favorite president, and wanted to let your listeners know that I may, possibly could, very, very soon, might announce that I'm running for president. How about my new degrading nickname for Ron DeSantis? (laughs) Goodness. If you'd like to join the conversation, you are welcome to do so. The Ingalls Markets Talk Line, 800 The Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line is 71307. And we've got some interesting information coming out on a number of very important polls in races across the country. I think one of the most significant ones is in the state of Ohio. And as I start there, This is kind of a twofer, because we're going to talk about the polling numbers, but we're also going to talk about what is already happening among Democrats. I think they are sensing that tomorrow could be ugly. We'll get to that in a moment. First, J.D. Vance. In fact, I'm still reading his book, Hillbilly Elegy. 
Polling shows him securing 53.9% of support from likely voters. That's a pretty healthy number. You get above 50%. You're doing pretty good. If this proves to be the case tomorrow, that will certainly be very good news. Ten-point lead over Democrat Tim Ryan in the latest Trafalgar Group poll. 53.9% of voters for Vance, 43.5% for his opponent, Democrat Representative Tim Ryan. Only 2.5% undecided in this race. This is a sampling of 1,123 likely general election voters. 2.9% election margin of error. 95% confidence level. The people in this poll, 45.1% Republican, 40.6% Democrat, 14.3% had no party or other affiliation. This poll, according to the pollster, saying... This is a strong indication Vance had gained ground since the previous poll three weeks ago. He was at 47 to 43. Tim Ryan's basically held in the same position. He he gained like 0.3%. But Vance has gained apparently a number of undecided people here to push him above the 50% mark. During the election cycle, Breitbart reporting the two candidates have gone back and forth on who would be better to represent the state. However, Ryan has done a disservice to himself by trying to campaign like a moderate. In fact, during the first debate, Ryan, who votes with his own party leadership 100% of the time, said politicians who don't have the guts to stand up to their party are a huge threat to democracy. <laughs> Oh, my goodness, really? And it's showing because people people don't buy what you're selling. They just don't. They don't. Hopefully, this one will hold firm for tomorrow. Also, another interesting story about this particular race... I've given you a little bit of a preview. We've talked about this as early as last week, how there were indications of panic among Democrats. How's this headline for you? Tim Ryan bashes Dems as J.D. Vance takes lead in polls in Ohio Senate race. Distancing himself from the Democratic Party. Now, again, this is strategy on his part. Trying to distance himself from the party. He said the National Democratic Party has never been really good at strategic political decisions. Thank God I have enough experience. I've built this campaign not needing them, and we really don't want them at this point. <laughs> We're going to do this thing with all the grassroots people that we have here. Oh, my goodness. This is hilarious. It really is. By the way, this is one of the highest fundraising Senate candidates in the country. But he's received less support from the National Party groups than J.D. Vance has. Here's an example of the kind of support he's received. He's gotten celebrities in. 
Isn't that great? Dave Matthews Band even did a performance <laughs> on the side for J.D. Vance. The endorsement from Donald Trump, Senator Ted Cruz coming in, and Senator Lindsey Graham of South Carolina. Axios pointing out Ohio is a red trending state that Trump won by eight points in 2020, which also explains where that particular race stands right now. And again, there's no guarantees here until all the votes are counted. Also, another race we are closely watching, this one in the state of Pennsylvania. We'll go into this a little bit later on, and another little gaffe, an unfortunate gaffe for one candidate who is unfortunately making a number of gaffes, and a race that the Republican Party, some have actually written off, but we've got some interesting polling data on that one as well. Along with Senate candidate Ted Budd. Stay with us. And we're back on the Vince Coakley radio program on this election eve. One of the races that will be closely watched tomorrow right here in the state of North Carolina. We've got the contest between Republican Ted Budd and Democrat Sherry Beasley. I think I've told you about this. Just um, I, I've seen so many commercials. I've been watching one of the minor television channels, and they've been running a whole lot of Sherry Beasley commercials. A lot of them. Some of them are attack ads against Ted Bud. Some of them in support of Sherry Beasley. Here's how things stand with polling today. This is from Newsweek. Newsweek saying in North Carolina, Republican Ted Budd appears to have a lead over Democrat Sherry Beasley. Real clear politics shows Budd up about five points, while 538 shows the GOP candidate ahead by about four points. Polling from East Carolina University, published last week, showing Budd leading Beasley by six points, 52-46. That poll, a margin of error of 3.3%. Joining us now to uh, give his thoughts on the state of the race on this election eve congressman ted budd good morning welcome back to the broadcast sir oh it is great to be back with you thanks so much for having me well first off i want to ask you um how do you feel today about the state of your race well i don't have much of a voice but i've got a lot of energy we're still traveling around the state we're down in the eastern part today brunswick county headed to greenville up to rocky mount and then back to raleigh and then back uh headed west afterwards so we're not going to let up until 7.30 when polls close tomorrow night, and uh, we're not going to assume any votes. We're going to ask for people's prayers, support, and their votes all the way through the finish line. But uh, we're cautiously optimistic, but again, we don't want to take anything for granted. I know the polls are starting to favor us, but again, we've just got to stay on the gas here in North Carolina. What are you finding as you have conversations with voters and obviously you're speaking to these voters, delivering messages? Um, what is it that's resonating with people this time around? Yeah, I would say the top three things or the first would be inflation. And they're talking about it in very real terms. I mean, they're saying this is these are the amount of groceries that I could afford two years ago. And, you know, then this is the shopping cart I can afford now. And it's, you know, half empty. And then they're talking about how do they, you know, put gas in their tank and groceries on their table. And 
you know, two months ago, buy back-to-school clothes for their kids. So it's tough for folks. And uh, these are all self-inflicted wounds from, from Joe Biden. And Sherry Beasley would do more of the same. So inflation is number one. The second is crime. And whether that's fentanyl or uh, locally, uh, the, the lack of support for our law enforcement, or whether it's the border issue, I think those are all connected because you know, sheriffs and people around the state are telling me every single county in North Carolina is now a border county because of Joe Biden's policies. So we got to fix crime. And then parents just want to say in their kids' education, they don't want to be told they're a domestic terrorist when they, you know, stand up in a school board meeting. That's that's part of our representative democracy. And we've got to uh, make sure we respect that and give parents a choice in their kids' education. So those are the top three things we're seeing. One of the things that's really interesting to watch is the conversation, particularly about the economy, in a practical way. What is it that you would be able to do as a senator to be able to counteract what's happening out of the White House? Yeah, look at it as a brake pedal and a gas pedal. The first two years, you've really got to step on the brakes and you've got to hold Joe Biden accountable. You've got to stop him from what he's been doing so far. You know, will he pivot like Joe Biden pivoted in 1995 after the Republican wave with Newt Gingrich? I don't know if he's smart enough to do that. So, you know, we, we can only hope for the sake of our country. But the first thing we have to do is we have to step on the brakes. And then we have to position ourselves and do what we said we're going to do, hold them accountable, and get ready for 2024. And at that point, we can begin pressing the gas in the right direction. But the first thing is a big brake pedal, because I can say anything. Right now, I'm in Congress. I'm in the, the House Financial Services Committee. Uh, Maxine Waters is my chair. AOC is on that committee. Three out of four of the squad. I can say anything I want in the five minutes that I have, but I can't control what the narrative's about. They won't bring up issues that need to be brought up, and they bring up these uh, leftist, Marxist, socialist, uh, uh, progressive agenda. And we have to make sure that we get to hold them accountable, hold the Biden administration accountable, because certainly uh, Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi and their committee members will not. You know, one of the things uh, we're talking here with uh, Congressman Ted Budd, uh, we've already gotten indications that there's the possibility, in fact, likelihood, if Republicans indeed take over the House and or the Senate, that the strategy then moves to blaming Republicans for the financial condition of the country. Uh, is this something you're anticipating, that they're essentially going to blame you for what they've already done, the damage that's already been caused? Well, they've already tried it, and the voters are going to show you know, how smart they are when they go to the polls tomorrow and they reject what Joe Biden has been doing uh, around this country. I mean, he's made us less energy dependent. He's discouraged work. He's tried to overregulate and uh, not rule through uh, Congress, but to rule through uh, unelected bureaucrats. So we have to rein that in. And look, the voters are smart. They, they know who has caused these problems, and we're going to stand up and do what we said we're going to do. Uh, and then hold him accountable. And I, I don't think that he's going to pull the wool over anybody's eyes over the next two years. But we've got to stay on point, and we've got to hold him accountable, and that's our number one priority. On the subject of desperation, one of the issues they were hoping uh, would have a tremendous impact on this election, the subject of abortion, uh, what are you uh, planning to do? Do you have any agenda along these lines? Because you are identified as a person who's wanting to put in place what are being characterized as draconian measures to prevent abortions. I support the Supreme Court decision, which sends it back to Raleigh. I mean, wouldn't you rather have 170 people making the decision for us here in the state? you know, in the state legislature rather than nine people in 1973 in Washington, D.C. on the Supreme Court. I think that's a lot better to send to Raleigh. 
However, if the Democrats are going to do something as extreme as they voted for in the House, uh, that is, you know, something is completely outlandish and out, step, out of step with North Carolina. And that is abortion at any time for any reason, all the way up until the moment of birth at taxpayer expense. And that's not where North Carolina is. So I'll counter that with something federally, but I much prefer it uh, belongs to the states. So you, so you tend to favor. I want to make sure I understand where you're coming from. You you favor state action on this. You are less interested in federal action. Uh, that is correct. However, if the Democrats are going to be as extreme as they, as they have recently proven themselves to be, uh, then I will counter it with uh, federal legislation. But I much prefer it belong in the states. We have less than a minute left here. Uh, what's your final message to voters? Uh, your appeal to those who have not voted yet, why should they vote for Congressman Ted Budd for Senate tomorrow? Well, again, thank you for having me. I want to say that everything that I'm running for in the U.S. Congress and everything that I'm running for right now in the U.S. Senate is to make lives better for us here in North Carolina and in our country. And everything that Sherry Beasley would do and everything that Joe Biden has done uh, would make things continued worse and worse and worse in this country. And we have to put the brakes on that agenda. So I would just want to humbly ask for people's prayers, support, and their vote in the next more than you know, 24, 30 hours until polls close tomorrow night. All right, Congressman Ted Budd, uh, it's good to talk to you again. Thanks a lot for joining us on the broadcast this morning. Take good care of that voice. And uh, Lord willing, we'll hopefully talk with you very soon. God bless. Thanks so much. Again, Congressman Ted Budd who uh, polls are showing is ahead in that race. But again, we remind you, um, like Ted is saying, you've got to get out and vote. The only poll that really matters is what happens on Election Day, Election Night. So uh, if it's a message that resonates with you, then go for it. Still to come, we're going to talk more about the Senate races and uh, the firing opening shot from 2024 against Ron DeSantis. Stay with us. Back on the Vince Coakley radio program. What are your thoughts about Ted Budd, who has been representing, I believe, North Carolina's 13th congressional district? He is up against Sherry Beasley. You know, one of the things I'm looking forward to tomorrow I will be absolutely thrilled about. I'm just very clear about this. I will be so glad to see the end to these commercials. I mean, it's it's absolutely awful. I, I told you about the ones that are running on the abortion issue, and uh, I think they ran. I think those have stopped. Thank goodness. Those were just awful, and they look like they were put together like a bunch of high schoolers. You know, it looks like high schoolers did it for their project or something anyway all of this will be over tomorrow over on the text line good morning vince happy monday one more day to go i'm not going to get too excited they will probably drag the results on and make us wait until january <laughs> to certify the results democrats our country democrats have nominated all anti-american marxist communists to run for office with this whole intention to destroy us once and for all, they've brainwashed half of our citizens into thinking America is a bad place that needs to change. So disheartening, so disappointing, so disgusting. Yeah. 
They have to be stopped. Now's the chance to do so, America. America, God shed his grace on thee. Yeah. If voters were so smart, they wouldn't keep putting the same people in office over and over again, then complain about the same crap. (laughs) That's very true, isn't it? Then several weeks ago, New Jersey Governor Chris Christie made this statement. Trump will always act in his own self-interest, not in the interest of what is good for the Republican Party. Well, duh. (laughs) That's certainly not a revelation. Vince, the wife and I are praying Trump won't run for president. It was a cheap mocking shot at DeSantis, who I emailed, asking him to run. That's Gene out of Rock Hill. Since we've already had a number of people bringing this up, why don't we go to this right now? This is a piece of audio from over the weekend. Now, one of the things that Donald Trump did at a rally, basically we had dueling rallies. We're going to talk more about this in the next hour, by the way. But let's go ahead and set the stage for this conversation. In fact, UK Daily Mail, boy, they have already blown this up. It's Don versus Ron. The MAGA battle comes to Florida as Trump and GOP governor hold dueling rattle rally. I will get this straight in a moment. Dueling rallies in their midterm push. Now, I'm not going to tell you what Donald Trump called Ron DeSantis yet bragging he's beating him in the 2024 polls i'll let you hear it for yourself here is the comment and again setting the stage for you he starts to put up on a screen some of the polling numbers that are coming out from various states about the state of the 2024 race listen up here is uh what donald trump had to say but we have the best poll numbers. Where are they? Are they putting them up on the screen? I think so. Put them up. Look. Yeah, we're putting them up. We're winning. We're winning big, big, big in the Republican Party for the nomination like nobody's ever seen before. Let's see. There it is. Trump at 71. Ron DeSanctimonious at 10%. Mike Pence at 7. Oh, Mike's doing better than I thought. Ron DeSanctimonious. <laughs> this is pathetic. Before I share some of the stories that have been done on this, there are two of them. One's by Media Eye, the other one by the UK Daily Mail, as I mentioned. Let me just explain a little background on where this is coming from. I mean, obviously, he recognizes the biggest threat to his candidacy, other than the Department of Justice is Ron DeSantis. Something that you need to learn, and many of you probably already know, about human nature. We reveal a lot of our character by, you know, and Donald Trump reveals a lot of his character by the words that he uses. De-sanctimonious. What is he saying? He's basically calling Ron DeSantis self-righteous. You know, generally... Not all the time, because there's appropriate time to call people self-righteous. But there's no reason to make such an attack on Ron DeSantis. There's nothing. And Ron DeSantis has has done nothing to him. What this is about, it's about Donald Trump's own corruption. His own terrible character. That's what this is about. When you have bad character, what do you do? You attack righteous people. 
You attack people who do have virtue. People who do have standards. That's what you do. So you need to understand, when he calls Ron DeSantis desanctimonious, that's what's going on here. He's attacking character that sadly he will never have himself. I don't mind saying that. I've said this for a long time. By every account I've heard, and I have some friends who know Ron DeSantis from working with him in Congress, by every definition, this is a man of upstanding character. And I'm just going to be blunt. Donald Trump cannot light a candle to this man in character. Coming up, we'll talk about the stories, and we'll also address... The other races around the country and get your thoughts about how things may play out tomorrow evening. Hour number two is straight ahead. This is the Vince Coakley radio program from the heart of the Carolinas, a voice in the wilderness, a thought provoking broadcast in a world of ignorant nonsense. But some people without brains do an awful lot of talking. Don't they? Yes, I guess you're right. This is the Vince Coakley Radio Program. Hour number two of our broadcast as we edge ever closer to that very, very significant election day tomorrow. I wanted to get perspective from one of my favorite people here at News Talk 1110 WBT. He's the afternoon host, 3 to 6 p.m., and uh, we've had a number of good conversations in a number of different venues, so I think this is the very first time on this broadcast. So uh, welcome, Brett Winterbull, on the broadcast. Good morning, sir. Hey, good morning, Vince. It's great to be with you. Now, uh, you're obviously familiar to the folks on Newstalk 1110 WBT. We're also joined by folks on 106.3 WORD in Greenville, South Carolina. So uh, just by way of introduction, a lot of people may have first heard about you as Mr. Winterbull on the Rush Limbaugh program. Uh, Tell us about that particular aspect of your life so those folks can be familiar. Yeah, I, look, I was blessed to uh, be on the uh, to work on the Rush Limbaugh show with uh, with uh, the Maharishi uh, pretty much every day from uh, 1995 going up into 2006, and uh, from about 98 until 2006, I was in in the studio with him uh, and uh, was uh, the screener. I was I was a snurdly. There was only one snurdly. I was Mr. Winterbull, but still filling that role and. Uh, it was the honor of a lifetime, and it was fascinating to see uh, from really uh, the end of the Clinton impeachment to the, uh, the 9-11 attacks and, of course, the disputed election in 2000 all the way up uh, until I departed in 06. It was fascinating to see um, what, what genius Rush had um, as a communicator and as someone who understood the body politics. And it must have been extraordinary to have the opportunity to actually sit in that chair. Yes, that was, it was it was pretty awesome. <laughs> it was it was amazing. I'm the uh, I'm the only alumnus uh, of the program who got to host, and uh, there was really something. I, I got to do it uh, prior to um, uh, Russia's uh, passing, and then uh, in the wake of his passing, I was uh, blessed to uh, be a guide host for the program 
for for a few months while they, uh, they they sorted things out and figured out what the direction was going to be. And it was it was fantastic to be able to uh, interact with the great listeners here at WBT and all around uh, the, the the EIB network uh, around the fruited plain across the fruited plain. <laughs> Well, it's a good lead-in to something which I I always appreciated about Rush on this subject because we have a lot of people very much concerned about the integrity of our elections, and I think that's a legitimate concern. And one of the things I I really like that he encouraged people to do, let's show up and let's vote in such overwhelming numbers that they can't even cheat to win. That's really a, a that's great counsel, isn't it? It it is. Look, as long as you get out there and you turn your folks out to vote. You have done literally everything you can uh, at, at that point. You show up with overwhelming numbers. It can't be stolen. It can't be contested. It can't be uh, challenged. And I remember distinctly uh, going into that uh, presidential election in 2004 when uh, Rush had a, had a very, very famous uh, sign-off on the day before the election in which he said, We meet at dawn. <laughs> That's good. I like that. We meet at dawn. We meet at dawn. What are your thoughts as we uh, edge closer to the election? As you know, we've got the fate of the House and the Senate in question. I think it's pretty much a foregone conclusion that Republicans will take back the House. How likely is it that we will actually see the Republicans take the Senate as well? Uh, I I think the Republicans will take both chambers. Uh, I, I think they will take the House uh, with, with something on the order of, uh, uh, you know, 40, 45, 50 uh, uh, seats. I think on the Senate side, uh, I do believe the Republicans are going to take it. I, I do believe uh, Blake Masters in Arizona looks very good. Uh, Laxalt in, uh, in, in Nevada looks great. Uh, I, I think we're going to, and those, those would represent uh, two pickups, right? Uh, you, you have the very real possibility of taking Pennsylvania, I think. I, I think there are a lot of people not being totally honest with the pollsters in Pennsylvania, uh, given uh, Fetterman's performance and likely future performance. And I do think that uh, we are going to see Herschel Walker uh, pick up the seat in Georgia. So I'm, I'm, I'm feeling good about, uh, you know, about 53. Uh, maybe we get Baldock in, uh, in New Hampshire, which would be another pickup. So it could be 53, uh, it, you know, it could be 52, 53, maybe 54. You know, it's kind of interesting uh, watching the coverage on election night. And if you were to put on uh, for a moment, kind of step into sitting in front of your crystal ball tomorrow night, looking at early indications of how this night is going to go. Is there any particular race that stands out to you that if you see it go a particular direction, you think it's going to be? a significant night one way or the other? Is there a uh, sure. one race? I would say here in North Carolina, if, if Beasley comes out stronger than we anticipated, uh, it, it, that could be an indication of trouble. Um, that, that, that certainly could, could show up. But I think you've seen uh, Congressman Bud uh, run a very, very strong race here in North Carolina uh, in, in this period of time. Um, obviously, I think Ron Johnson in Wisconsin uh, that's going to be very interesting because of the lines that that's being fought over. Uh, that'll be like a Midwest call, so we're probably talking nine or nine or ten o'clock. But the thing to remember is, so many people have voted early, right? That we're going to get a blast of ballots that are going to come in, which will be like the day of stuff, and then they're going to start processing through the stuff in the overnight. And it's important for people 
and I cannot stress this enough, do not get demoralized out of the box because you are going to see a blast of votes come in and then you're going to, you're going to see the trickle of the mail-in votes that are going to be coming in. And that's going to probably take days to process. In Pennsylvania, it'll take days to process. They're, they're talking about maybe not knowing until Friday what, what goes on with Oz and, uh, and Fetterman. Do you think there's a risk that we could have the same kind of experience that we had before where where this drags out for some period of time and then you get into questions of, uh, I guess, overall, do you think there are going to be significant concerns about voter integrity? Yes, I think there are. I think there are legitimate concerns about voter integrity. A hundred percent. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that a, you know, a pickup truck shows up at three o'clock in the morning. And they throw a box of ballots out. Right. But you've got to make sure people who are voting are legally allowed to vote and that they that they filled out their ballots. They sent them in appropriately. They got in there in the appropriate time. I mean, I remember in the 20 campaign, one of the big issues was there were there were people who were allowed to mail their ballots in after the election. Uh, yep. I mean, they had, a, they had a deadline because of the COVID stuff. Right. And as long as it had been signed and attested to, as long as you mailed it after, you know, that, that kind of stuff is nonsense. Um, we people have been voting since August, and so I think everybody kind of knows where they stand. It's just going to be a matter of seeing how this works. And and one of the other things that's very interesting that I think is some of these undercard races, um, Hochul in New York, right? Is New York going to tell her to take a hike given the horrible crime crisis? It could happen. It could happen. Well, Stacey Abrams. That's a huge race. Uh, right. Some of the comments she's had in the last twenty four hours about. Uh, African-American men, you know, right. not understanding how important the race is. Well, maybe we're, they're making a decision the other way. I mean, I, you know, I, right. I don't know that we're, you can cast aspersions on people like that. And then all the way out there in Wacafornia, right out in California, Vince, um, will Los Angeles turn away from the socialist uh, mayor model and, and go towards uh, Rick Caruso, who's a, a builder, a businessman, somebody who understands the importance of saving the cities? It yep. all remains to be seen. It'll be interesting to watch for sure, election night, and uh, we'll be watching it all very closely. Brett Winterbull, thanks a lot for coming on the broadcast today, man. My pleasure. Pleasure, Vince. I always love talking to you and your audience. You're awesome. Thanks a lot. Stay with us, folks. We're back on the Vince Coakley radio program. Vince, if Republicans take Congress, what are the chances anything is going to happen? What are the chances anything's going to change? What are the chances they'll just ride the status quo? At the end of the day, both parties are just two cheeks on the same rear end. <laughs> what do you think about the topic of censorship? Facebook. Suppression of Republicans. What is your opinion of Kevin McCarthy? Calling to censor people. On his party. Hmm. And so this is a reference to the clip we played from Donald Trump. Remember that? Where he referred to Ron DeSantis as (laughs) a new nickname, DeSanctimonious. Also at the rally, he told people to vote for Ron DeSantis. He said his name correctly. 
Trump said dumb things like so many others. I don't care what he says. It's the do that matters, in my humble opinion. Trump did the do. We were so much better off in every way. I, you know, and that's my wish, that we had much more do than talk. If we got rid of the talk, he might still be there. I'm serious about that. Wake up. It doesn't matter how many people show up to vote when the system is manipulated from outside. Uh Uh-huh. Sanctimonious has a good definition. Why does everyone misconstrue Trump's intentions? I know Trump can be quite sarcastic at times. We don't know his heart. Yes, we do. The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. When people speak, we reveal our hearts. All of us do. Do I know all of his heart? No. Do you know all of mine? No. But you can tell by the things that I say, you get a picture of what's in there. That's all. Another text to hear, this is exactly why Trump will not be getting my vote again. If or when he runs in 2024, both Biden and Trump should be first, the first man trip to Mars. <laughs> and left there. <laughs> I love it. That is too funny. <laughs> if Trump is so bad, why was our economy, you know, stop. Just stop. The Nobody is trying to question the man's record. And the texter who talked about the things that he did, yes, it's right on point. Stop trying to make an argument that doesn't need to be made. We know what he did. My goodness. The whole voting process is broken. They spend billions to vote politicians to office. The only thing they do when they're in office is take care of their families first to make sure all government employees have good pay and benefits for life. This doesn't help anyone that does not have government jobs. Who stands for us? We just listen to all the bickering. No change. Change. Big change needs to happen. I agree with you. Love your show and perspective. I wasn't impressed by what Trump called Ron, but honestly, I sometimes think it's a game of some sort as he may inadvertently force independence anyone who hates him to vote Democrat because they don't want to see him president again. He needs to keep his mouth shut for a while, if that's possible. <laughs> don't hold your breath. Don't hold your breath for that. Just a sampling of some of the items on the text line. We have this. Vince, what Trump did in calling Ron DeSantis that name uncalled for, Doing that before an election is hurtful, to say the least. I voted for him twice. Now I'm hoping DeSantis runs and kicks him to the curb. That is from Jeff. Can't wait until election season's over. I'm tired of hearing Vince badmouth Trump again. It's his fault the election fraud stood. Oh, it's all my fault. I single-handedly made sure election fraud stood. Isn't that great? Oh, my goodness. How delusional can you be? I'll be happy post-election when I stop getting these political texts asking me for money and telling me who I should vote for. Also, I think every candidate should be fined $1,000 per sign per day for every political yard road sign up after Tuesday. You know, there are laws that require those to be removed in a timely manner, and there are fines. Yeah. Trump's character has been judged once by the American people and will next be judged by God. 
They were actually judged twice by the American people. If Trump doesn't like DeSantis, he should move out of Florida. Stop taking advantage of the personal income tax. (laughs) Getting rid of that. Yep. You think it's possible Trump's doing these things to draw attention away from DeSantis? If he talks bad about DeSantis, the left will leave him alone. If Trump endorses him, the left will tear DeSantis apart. In previous years, Trump stated he would run with DeSantis. Why the sudden change? Alan of Gastonia says Trump will get my vote only if DeSantis does not run. Oh, that's an interesting take on this entire thing. Let's go out to Mark. Mark, I will let you very quickly comment on this particular matter. Take it away. Okay. Uh, Ron DeSanctimonious. I watched um, the... um, Donald, Donald Trump handled a studio audience in the, in the inaugural taping of the Joan Rivers talk show, uh, Soul for Syndication. It was a New York businessman who happened to be promoting his second book. They talked about his divorce from his um, first wife, uh, now deceased, respectfully handling another fellow businesswoman who continuously interjectedly hears herself do you sleep alone? As a leading question, is he answered um, questions from that studio audience that day? I want to see that Donald Trump run again. Otherwise, he is a desperate man with a desperate message because somebody is somebody is articulate and can handle the press and can handle a debater moderator's questions. My preference ticket for 2024 is DeSantis Gabbard. DeSantis Gabbard. Boy, that would be an interesting uh, combination for sure. Appreciate your call there, Mark. Uh, Let's quickly go out to the sprawling metropolis of Waxhaw and Dave. Good morning, Dave. Is Dave still there? He must have gone to sleep or disappeared for some reason. Feel free to call back if there were some issue there. A race that probably should not be close based on... All of the dirty laundry that has been aired during this campaign, a whole lot of dirty laundry, surprising polling numbers coming out of that state. We'll talk about it. Also, another race that should not be closed based on the person's medical condition. At least that's my opinion. Uh, We'll talk about what is happening there as well. Much more as we continue our Monday broadcast. Stay with us. And we are back on the Vince Coakley radio program. Getting your thoughts on what is taking place tomorrow, the election. Praise God this election is after my birthday instead of before. That's all I'm going to say. Hopefully I'll get the best birthday gift of all. And that is a red tsunami. That is from Jeff. Uh Aha. We shall see. DeSantis, Gabbard, the same Tulsi that endorsed Bernie Sanders. You are outside your mind. What about the commitment of DeSantis to the office of governor? He's just using it as a stepping stone. Yep, he's full of bull, but not character. Alrighty. 
<laughs> I think it's quite possible his job is to keep the millions of Republicans quiet and believing that all the evil will be revealed and the bad in Washington put in jail. Doubtful. Uh-huh. The reason Trump was as successful as he was his brashness. That's the reason. Vengeful Trump and VP DeSantis to clear the traitors out, then President DeSantis. Otherwise, DeSantis will face the same swamp Trump faced. And, uh, oh, this person is the one who said this is part of the reason Trump was so successful, was because of his brashness. Just a sampling of some of the items here over on the text line. A couple of quick things I want to tell you about before we go. One of them, continued problems for John Fetterman on the campaign trail, which mercifully comes to an end today. John Fetterman at a rally in Philadelphia. Here are his comments. Listen very carefully. I run on Roe v. Wade. I celebrate the demise of Roe v. Wade. Oh, my gosh. I'm serious. My heart goes out to him. I told you I have a friend who recently suffered a stroke. By the way, who had a setback recently. Uh, This is sad. Here he is. Here he's in support of Roe versus Wade, and yet also celebrating the demise of Roe versus Wade. And I, I just very humanly express, I hope that this is a race that Dr. Oz wins tomorrow, and I hope that John Fetterman gets the rest and relaxation privately that he needs away from all the nonsense of politics that's my hope for him and this that has nothing to do with politics the man needs to rest he needs to recover a campaign trail is not the place for a man in his condition it's really that simple but we understand this race is a toss-up right now it's a toss-up so it could go either way another race that has been written off by some and yes I've made some very harsh assessments of Herschel Walker and you should know I'll reiterate what I've said before I wish him nothing but the best I still hope he wins this race against the communist Raphael Warnock the latest poll now shows Herschel Walker ahead by two Two points in the Georgia U.S. Senate race. This is another Trafalgar poll. 48.9 to 46.5. Now, there's a possibility here that the Libertarian could be a spoiler here. Chase Oliver is at 4.6%. Walker's been steadily overtaking Warnock since his first debate where he performed exceptionally well. Leading up to Tuesday, Walker's closing message has been attacking Raphael Warnock for his extremist stance on energy. So, we will see how this turns out. And again, I hope he wins this. I do. At the same time, I hope once he wins the race in the time between now and January, 
I hope the man gets his house in order. Reach out to Christian. Start there. Another key Senate race moves toward GOP and election forecast update. This from Politico. The election forecast still rates the Senate as toss-up, but the GOP could win 54 seats by sweeping the two close-to-call races. The path to the Senate majority continues to broaden. It's broadening. This is not what Democrats certainly want to hear. Now including a state Joe Biden carried by seven points just two years ago. The Senate race in New Hampshire is moving from lean Democrat to toss-up. Remember I was talking to Brett Winterbull earlier? What are the races to watch to see what kind of night this might be? Well, this is certainly one of them. New Hampshire. Move from lean Democrat to toss-up. A reflection of the tightening of that campaign in recent weeks. Democrat Maggie Hassan still has a narrow lead over Republican Don Baldock. She's no longer a significant favorite. Republicans' path to the Senate majority continues to broaden. It's broadening. The overall battle, again, they're labeling this toss-up. But the range of plausible outcomes now includes a sizable Republican majority. A sweep of the six toss-up races would give the GOP 54 seats. And if the two parties split the toss-up races evenly, Republicans would still win a one-seat majority in the chamber. Democrats are banking on the power of incumbency and lingering unpopularity of some Republican nominees to overcome an increasingly rough political environment for the party in power. So this gives you some idea of what to look for tomorrow, and we'll be here to talk about it. I hope you are a part of that conversation, and more importantly, that you go out and do your thing and vote. Stay with us. This is the Vince Coakley Radio Program.